hello, ladies, and welcome. So we understand that your time is valuable, and I'm so thankful that you're here to share your time with us. Usually, this would be a time when I would ask everyone to mute yourselves while a speaker presents and unmute for your questions and comments, but this format is a little different. Similar to the June edition, we've reached back to Corporate Coffee's roots, and we're going to have an open discussion. Our topic is supporting each other. If this is your first time, I just want to welcome you to the tribe and hope that you found a meaningful space. So breathe, relax, you're among friends. So let me tell you a little bit about Corporate Coffee. Corporate Coffee is an education, empowerment, and networking group focused on propelling women of color into positions of power in corporate. So we've had some dynamic discussions about legal issues that affect women and women of color in particularly. We've had a singles panel that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, we've addressed asking for what you're worth, uh, our relationships and how they affect our careers, our mental, physical and emotional health and so much more. So check out the Corporate Coffee podcast to listen and be enlightened. We took off in August uh, or, or in July. We took off in July, but we do this every second Saturday of the month. So feel free to join live and interact with an amazing group and let your voice be heard. The goal is to eventually travel around the country and host blended sessions that mix personal and online, but more to come on that. For the ladies that are here, I thank you for your continued support. Okay, so here we go. In thinking about the fairly kind of recent highlight um, on racial injustice in the United States, we've seen a shift in the corporate world, right? So I've seen um, a lot of diverse talent that has recently been hired into positions of power. You know, I get the LinkedIn updates, you know, so-and-so is here, so-and-so is, you know, chief this or, or that. Um, I've been in the industry for about 20, for 20 plus years, and this is the most diverse, like, hiring group in corporate that I've, I've seen. So I'd like to kind of open the floor and talk about what you feel about this and how you think that we can support one another. Um, this is Mary. I'll kick it off. Because, <laughs> um, you know, and to me, it really has a connection to do with corporate coffee, meeting you on LinkedIn, and then joining Naya, and then now being a part of their emerging leaders, right? And so even with the current agency I'm at, right, and you have experience being there, uh, I think it kind of ties back to just Naya as a whole. Um, because this insurance is funny because I've seen a one of my memories came up on Facebook and I was like, it was 10 years ago. And I was like, the insurance industry is where it's at <laughs> because 10 years ago we were going through a recession and I was getting unlimited overtime. Mm -hmm. um, so even in my current role, which now I have a management position, I'm still the only black AE across the whole agency. Mm -hmm. I'm still the, and as a double minority, and then the only black person who actually has an office at the agency. And so I think with that, you know, is really encouraging more of us to say, okay, you can have a seat at the table uh, because I think a lot of us kind of get 
stuck in customer care, claims processing, and we'll get the degrees, we'll get the education. But I think there could be somewhat of intimidation to say, oh, why am I going to go through this process? But I think it just starts with, um, you know, just encouraging other people, encouraging each other to take the leap uh, to apply for these positions. And I'm a big advocate of ensuring like your LinkedIn is up to date, that, you know, the current trends, like one page resume and helping people where I can. I do have some questions. So I'll say for those of us that have been in the industry or, and this is any industry, have been in corporate, let me put it like this, for 10 years or more, what have you learned? And I'll start off. I started uh, in corporate. I fell into it at the age of 16. Um, my parents told me, just get an office job. That's all I knew. Just get an office job. They were like, don't, we don't want you fast food or, or retail. Just get an office job. So I became part of a, a VOE, vocational occupational education program in high school at the age of 16. I don't even know if they do this anymore. So, you know, I don't know if this is like the Flintstones talk that I'm saying here, but um so I fell into that and interviewed at an insurance agency, a local insurance agency, and got hired, you know, as a file clerk. You know, I don't even know if they have files anymore. I mean, paper files, and I had to learn how to 10 key and, you know, answer the phones and do these things. And just being there was the only Black person in the entire company. But when we talk about allyship, there were two white women there. And this was back in what, early 90s. There were two white women there that took me under their wing and said, hey, you want to know this? I didn't even know what they did. I just said, yes. Yeah, whatever you do. Yeah. I mean, they, it could have been either. I didn't know. But I said, yes, those women showed me what they knew. They took the time to train me. And so just falling into this industry I think I started off very afraid, very insecure, very intimidated because I looked around and I saw no one that looked like me. And I also felt that push from some people that why are you here? Um, I would say that the biggest thing that I've learned in my 20 plus years is the power of not waiting for someone. Cause those, those women, they reached out to me, thank God they did. But as I moved along, I found out that not everybody will do that. And you have to reach out and open your mouth and you have to build your own network and not be afraid. You have to go to those happy hours that you don't wanna go to where you're the only one. <laughs> you know, you have to be that face and that representation and you, Usually what we do, especially as black women, we'll put our head down and go, I'm just going to be here. I'm going to collect my check. I'm not going to deal with these people. I don't want to talk to them. I don't feel comfortable. But I found that by doing that, you're really doing what they want you to do. You're, you're helping to foster that isolation and that feeling of that you don't belong. But once I learned to say, hey, what are y'all doing over there? Hey, where are y'all going? Hey, what is this? I started doing that for myself and not waiting for someone to do that for me. 
That was the biggest lesson that I learned. And it opened up. Are you going to meet, meet opposition? Are you going to meet people that are not going to like you and not like that? Yes. But you know what? Dust the, dust the sand off your feet and go find somebody else. That was the biggest lesson that I learned. So 10 year plus in corporate, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned? I'm also in the insurance industry and I've been here about 10 years. And I think I've, at first, cause I'm in actuarial, which is kind of like um, risk management, very, I don't know, very high, high end, they want to call it in terms of like um, job family in the insurance industry. And so at first I was like the only few of us were black and um, female. And I, I was really proud of myself being in that, I guess, elite group. And then a few years later, I discovered that's actually a diverse hire. I was like, okay, still, I'm, I'm doing well, so whatever. Um, but it wasn't like maybe after five years or so, I realized even the people that, that were ahead of me, they kind of like left the program. And now I was the only one and I was the highest level, but I'm not the smartest. In actuary, I'm probably below average because everybody's really smart. But I was like, I don't think this is right. I cannot be the only smart person in my company. And so I started to actually ask HR what their plans were in terms of like leadership. Why there are not people like me who are chief actuaries, who are VPs? I, I, what does that mean? Even we didn't have female VPs at that point. And so with the events that happened last year, and so. Um, they did bring a lot of change in my company. I actually left that company, but they did bring a lot of change and they started pushing for more diversity in these leadership roles that we've been asking for. I feel like I've been asking for that for five years or so, but they started doing, I started acting on it um, last year. And so immediately they bring in like um, this other lead type of leadership that's diverse, not the one I've been asking for. <laughs> and then over time, they maybe uh, added one or two people of color as HR to support actuarial, but that still is not what I was asking for. And so I do understand what they're trying to do, but to, to I guess, cater for the issue that stemmed the 2020 social changes, I think it's going to take more than what, they initially started with to kind of like uh, bring forth the change that's really true. I feel like a lot of the change right now is just like bondage. You know, let's place it there, quiet down the noise, and then maybe we'll act on something. Um, that, that's kind of my, my thoughts. Okay, so so you spoke you spoke a word right there. Um, and and I wanna I want to open the discussion up for this as well. Do you feel as though the whole movement is a fad. Do you feel as though this kind of awareness is a facade to an extent to say, okay, well, yeah, people are causing this fuss. Let's just go ahead and hire a bunch of black and brown diverse faces. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and let's do this. And then you know, give them these little positions or, or, you know, which are higher than what they had before, but let's give them a little bit to quiet them down. And then eventually they will stop. What do you guys feel about that? What are your thoughts on that? Is this a fact? I think my initial reaction, it was, yeah, this is just 
a fad, I guess. This is just temporary that they don't really need, mean to commit. But I've seen a lot of uh, corporate companies from Google all the way to small business trying to actually put in a plan to make big changes and make them stick. And a lot of the conversation was like, we are doing this and we're going to stick to the plan to make these changes. Now it's going to take a, a lot of time for us to see those changes. But I feel like right now it's just maybe faith in our in the programs, in all the changes that the corporate culture is doing, is like they're gonna stick to those plans. Um, <laughs> I do feel though that if we don't hold them accountable, it will be swept under the rug. So, how yeah. do we hold them accountable, guys? What do we do where we are to hold management accountable? Um, this is Mary. I would say, because I've been in several situations, being the only double minority at the table. Uh, and I think a lot of times, and I faced this at my last job, where a lot of minorities just don't speak up, you know, and it's just like, oh, okay, I, I don't want a target on my back, you know, and walking on eggshells. But like, same thing after the events that transpired last year, a lot of us figuring out like, hey, if we don't speak up <laughs> or do anything, we're just going to be stuck in the same situation. So I think uh, the more we continue to speak up, and actually bring it to their attention, then it stays on the forefront. And mm -hmm. so we just have to continue not to remain silent. Uh, but then kind of piggyback, and I think it's just important for us to continue learning and never be stagnant or feel like uh, there is a level of contentment. Say, oh, I'm here. I'm fine. Make good money. Like, no, we have to keep growing because the more of us that end up in these higher level positions, it gives us an opportunity to pull each other up. I'm going to tell you my honest thought. I feel like the door has been cracked. How do we push it open? How do we flood it open? How do we keep it open? Because what I don't want to see for us, I don't want to see this be um, something that is the attention for the moment and then it fizzle. Um, Tony, this is Elle. I would like to respond yes, to that point. Mm -hmm. So um, I have 20 plus years experience in adverse management and insurance world, and I have seen some interesting evolution. I'm not just an insurance industry, I went to school for insurance, specifically risk management and insurance at Georgia State University. And so there was only, you know, you know, very few, <laughs> very few black people even know what that major was, much less um, actually engage in that. And that, that has changed because I went to school 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, so what I'm seeing is the evolution for me is very much um, check the box. We don't want to be sued. We don't want to be um, targeted. We don't want to have a problem. So, you know, you have to remember, you know, this is the world of risk management. They're managing their risk of being sued, of being, you know, put on front street, so to speak. Um, and, 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 the, and that's what I see. In order for it to be sustainable, I do think that there needs to be accountability consistently, um, you know, and in a concerted way. And I don't know that um, we do that in a full throttle, consistent way, where because there's a whole lot of tokenism and even um, the handful of people that are at the top, and I know and have worked with some of the top black folks in this industry because I've worked with global companies and global companies tend to have you know top tier talent on their teams 
and I've seen the evolution of some of these folks and I won't, I won't name any names, but you know, I'm in Atlanta and there's a, there's a black woman who's the head of one of the largest insurance brokers um, in, in the world, in the Atlanta market. And just because there's a black face at the top of it does not mean that they are going to avail themselves to putting black people in the right um, spaces or helping out because tokenism is real. And mm-hmm. when people in the situation of tokenism, they feel like they have to do the right thing versus the right thing mm-hmm. in order to maintain their position, right? And so they're always constantly doing the right thing. And though they may be black, they're cloaking themselves in approval and right approval. And so I think they also need to be challenged. So we can't assume that, you know, they're going to do the right thing just because, you know, they're, they have the opportunity and the possibility to do that. Um, and these conversations get uncomfortable, which is why I'm no longer in corporate. <laughs> I mean, I am now, um, I do consulting for small companies and middle market companies, and I um, am a life coach, and I use risk management as the background for my life and career coaching platform. Mm-hmm. And these are some of the challenges that I constantly hear because most of my clients are in the risk management and insurance world. And these are some of the co- things I constantly hear where they feel like I'm Black, I'm female, I'm in this space, but I'm being tolerated. I'm not being celebrated and set up for success. So I can talk about this all day and night, so I'll stop there. But sustainability is going to depend on us holding them accountable and them feeling the accountability, you know, because if they don't feel the impact financially or otherwise, it's easy for them to just swat us away, check the box, do what they have to do in order to not get sued, but not necessarily to um, invite and include us in a real way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So... You made one good. Uh, you you made several good points. One thing that I want to drill down on is, which is which is around this topic today, support. Support. So, even though we some of us are in different industry sectors, I still feel like there is a way to cross that and support each other because a lot of what we do may be interrelated. Here's an example. So I'm in you know, risk management and insurance, right? And I work specifically on construction accounts. A lot of what I do is involves legal, involves contracts. So what I've done is I've made a point to reach out to attorneys and say and make those connections hey you know if i have a question about you know an uh, in, in indemnity statement or um if i have a question about you know um force majeure or you know any of those things that are in the contract can i u- utilize you as a resource and a lot of times i hear yeah that's sure that's fine um a lot of these people that I'm reaching out to don't look like me, right? Um, This is going to be another topic that we're going to talk about later, but communication styles. I must say this, I'm put this out here, guys, and I don't mean, and anybody who's listening to this, I don't mean any disrespect. I can communicate better with a person that, kind of looks like me. Does that make sense? Like, 
there's a certain communication style that we have that we just know. And it's not just, you know, Black people, you see it with different groups of people. There are certain communication styles that certain groups of people have that makes it a lot easier for them to communicate and get to the point and, and, and everything like that. So how do we do that amongst ourselves? How do we master and build that network? I'll respond to that really quick. Um, so Tony, for the lawyers, I think we gotta understand resources, right? We gotta understand what's available to us. So for lawyers, there's an organization called the National Bar Association that um, is African-American lawyers. They have 66,000 66, members of African-American lawyers, judges um, in the country. They're the oldest and largest association. Mm -hmm. um, so you can reach out to them for resources that are black lawyers anywhere in the country. Um, they just switched presidents. So the president now is Collins Moore out of Mississippi, and it was C.K. Hoffler here in Atlanta. Um, I've done work with that organization for many years, and they have, you know, they're a great resource for connecting. So if you need Black legal help, that's where you go. And we have to just understand these resources, right? Mm -hmm. We also need to understand power of voice and power of choice. Within organizations, we don't always have power of voice and power of choice, and that's part of holding them accountable. Don't just say, um, I'm Black and I'm sitting in this position and you're going to check the box that I'm here mm -hmm. and give you the opportunity to not get sued or to, or to for optics sake, but um, hold them accountable for allowing you to have power of voice and power of choice. If you're the risk manager who's working on contracts and you want to work with Black lawyers, then make it part of their um, DN, um, their diversity and inclusion initiative, that not only do we have Black faces in this organization, but that our vendors and suppliers also have the opportunity to connect and participate on our program in such a way that there's diversity and inclusion, mm -hmm. right? Because like you said, the, the language, you have a more fluid language of nuance and dialect and communication to make sure that we you know, have folks who um, are helping us to meet the business objectives in a fluid way, in our native tongue, so to speak, right? Because <laughs> we, we speak, you know, Black female sister speak, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I think that's important, you know, because if you don't have agency of voice and choice in your organization, then it's limited to, to what you can do. And the, the influence that you have is limited. And so holding them accountable for that, I think, um, is evolutionary. And that's true inclusion. I'm not just sitting here you know, a black person on the payroll, but I'm actually, you're including what I have to say. You're including my opinion. You're including my community. You're including, you know, um, my resources and my reach so that, you know, we have true diversity and inclusion and not just check the box um, initiatives. Good stuff. Good stuff. So younger, younger people that have been um, in corporate, let's say five years and under, what uh, challenges do you face? What questions do you have? Um, before we jump into that, yes, I was going to add to the support. I so as an actuary, I've I found the International Black Actuaries uh, Association that's also similar to what uh, was described for the was uh, for the lawyers. So the actuaries get together, and is this like database of all black actuaries are practiced in it used to be in the u.s but now it's like international so if you want to connect with someone that's a good way to to start um i started the industry with them and i'm still volunteering with the with the association so it's a really good 
Uh, yeah, I see someone shouting out to IBA. Yes, it is. Um, but one of the major, and I don't think we've done it well, but one of the major things that has been pushed is like feeding this pipeline of actuaries. And I felt like that's probably what the biggest support will be because competition does drive a lot of innovation and change. So if we could like build up that pipeline for, for talent in any industry that we are in, I feel like we have like a pool of candidates we can say these people are equally as talented and they should be um, going for the, you know, any level of positions from entry level all the way to obviously over over tenure, they could go into leadership roles. But right now what we suffer with uh, in actuarial, especially in the company I was in before, was that we didn't have a good uh, pool of candidates. People just came and left uh, just mm -hmm. because there was no big change in the corporate world. So that's kind of what I think about in the next generation is just like really feeding that pipeline. Mm -hmm. Got it. Good stuff. Good stuff. Okay, so for uh, welcome, Rebecca. I see you've joined. for for the For the younger people that are on on here that are that are working in corporate, any like I said, challenges that that you're facing, any questions that you have that you want to ask someone who has been in it for, you know, a little bit longer. Amber, I think you were gonna say something. Um, I was just going to say um, one of the main challenges for myself right now, especially now that, you know, I joined in the virtual space um, and recently started my position maybe four or so months ago. Um, and my team is wonderful. It's very diverse. And I feel a lot of support. Um, but one thing I would say is kind of working from home, um, I feel like visibility-wise, um, it's a little bit more difficult um, for me to kind of raise my hand and reach out to people who I do want to reach out to um, that are not necessarily kind of within my team um and so i'm wondering if anybody has any advice about um ways to do that um i saw i just saw that um but uh, any ways to do that um i'm more of an introvert but i know within this space i i've um, been trying to step outside of my comfort zone um and so I have attended, um, you know, a few uh, happy hour events and, you know, how we were kind of discussing that earlier, but um, kind of just as the pandemic goes on and gets worse as I'm kind of foreseeing it right now, um, I'm just trying to figure out ways to, to be more visible. Can I, can I answer that? Zoom is your best friend at this point. Um, since we are not able to, you know, physically a lot of times connect and sometimes people are kind of, you know, squeamish, you know, they don't want to, <laughs> you know, get out or, you know, the mask thing, you know, we have all that going on. I would say reach out to people through Zoom and just say, hey, you know, can I have like, you know, 20 minutes of your time? You know, I'd like to introduce myself. You know, this is what I do and start within your organization. Um, if you um, 
can look up kind of the people within your in your office or within your department, you can look at their title. You can see what you know their title is. And if you say, okay, hey, well, this person seems more, you know, like a senior person, or is this something that I'm interested in, or what they do crosses what I do, um, there's some overlap or some uh, intersection, reach out to them directly and say, hey, you know, I don't want to take up a lot of your time, you know, but do you have maybe 20 minutes for me? Can I put something on the calendar for us to do a meet and greet? You know, this is what I do. I'm interested in what you do. I think there's some overlap or similarities or I could learn something, but reach out. Amber. Okay. So, and and any of uh, you young professionals, my Zoom background keeps going crazy. So I'm trying to, I'm trying to fix that. But anyway, it's not going to be you um if you have goals so i don't you know you all look like very young professionals um but i'm going to express the importance um the importance of having mentors inside your organization and outside i have a i have a whole panel of mentors and they serve different purposes for me and i'm a 30 year professional and this is every and i apologize tony for being late thank you for putting this together and i know oh, Elle yeah, and i no are both yeah, Elle and I are friends too. Um, so I'm happy to be here, but I'm you know, into my career 30 years and I reinvented myself about six years ago. Um, and I was able to do that. Is everybody insurance professionals, Tony? Or um, I think for the most part, Miko, are you in the insurance industry? Yes, I am. Okay. okay. Ayana, okay, are you still a high school student? So this has all been very um, informative and helpful just as I take the next steps um, in, you know, a couple of years. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. Well, it's good to know that because now I know who I'm talking to. So um, I'm also going to put, um, I'm going to put my email in here um, so that you can email me. But it's important to have mentors inside your industry and outside. And it, the reason is they see different things in you. Uh, the person who is a mentor inside the industry is why, you know, has an opportunity if they're at your company to maybe observe some of, you know, your reputation, how you're perceived at work. But also um, they they have, um, you know, the ability to give you some guidance because they understand the company culture. That's if they're at your, at your company. They're not at your company, but they're in the industry. They understand generally the industry culture and they'll get to know you and ride alongside you. I will tell you a mentor can dream for you beyond your capacity to dream for yourself. Sometimes you don't see um, skill sets. I'm, I'm also on LinkedIn, um, by the way, Rebecca Ratliff. So um, they will, they can see things, you know, and help you decide what's the next logical step. A mentor outside of the industry will get to know you in your, you know, more natural state. Um, you can talk to them about career stuff. But it's it's also important to have somebody who's riding alongside you and understands you, your goals, your fears. You can, you know, sometimes outside the industry, you can be a little more transparent. Um, so I just want to encourage you to, I, I, again, I have a panel of mentors. It was a mentor who told me you need to leave insurance claims after 25 years um, and you need to become a mediator and arbitrator, which I did. Um and also, Ayana, I'm really proud of you for taking advantage of this opportunity because um, you see impact on, on my shirt. Um, I'm the co-founder of, I'm the visionary founder, actually, of HBCU Impact. 
Um, and so that organization is we're a nonprofit and we are we were created to attract, educate and students in the insurance industry. And we and that's across insurance risk management and law and 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 in the business space because we actually actually Deloitte is coming up with financial services has gotten wind of us and there are a lot of opportunities um for for you to to have some wind beneath your wings as you're you know coming through your career so um you can certainly any of you can contact me and I'm happy to talk to you further I didn't mean to come in late and then talk the whole time but I'm always (laughs) yeah I'm always um willing and happy to bring, you know, bring along the next generation. I'm the, I'm the president of NIA Atlanta. NIA is the National African American Insurance Association. Mm-hmm. And if you are not a member of NIA, we have student membership for $50. And um, I would love to hear from any of you who might be interested. Trade associations are a great way to um, make contacts. Um, if, uh, you know, there's also the CLM. CLM membership for claims uh, professionals is free. Um, you know, Naya, if you're a claims professional, your company might pay for it, but it's $150 a year and you get, you know, a national uh, black trade association um, access. So I'll, and, I'll stop. Rebecca, and, and, and I'll, I'll speak to that, too, because the, the broader collective of corporate coffee are in multiple industries. So although most of us on this call are in the risk management insurance industry, the listeners and the broader collective touch medical you know, um, accounting, you know, all these different industries, but I'll, that's, that's very good advice. And I will say for anybody, number one, I'll make this statement. I still feel like I need to be mentored as well as be a mentor, mentor. So you never get to a point where you feel like this is it. I know it all because you don't. It'll throw a twist and a turn. And there's always something new to learn. So I find myself constantly in the middle where I'm looking for mentors while I'm mentoring, you know. Um, and and that shows that shows uh, uh, to me a constant you're wanting to progress, wanting to learn and not wanting to be stagnant. So um, I would say for those that are not in the risk management and insurance industry, LinkedIn can be your best friend. You can go on LinkedIn and you can find people, you know, it's, and it's not stalkerish. I've done it a lot. <laughs> it's okay. And you can find someone that um, you think may be of a help to you and say, hey, you know, I came across your LinkedIn profile. Um, do you have a few minutes, you know, to, to talk, to chat? And, and I've made some I've made some very good connections that way as well. So to Rebecca's point about reaching outside of your organization, LinkedIn is another great way to do that. That's a good point, Tony. This is Errol. I want to encourage people to also reach outside of your race. I mean, because all skin folks ain't camp folks, number one. OK, because everybody ain't looking out for you. Um, mm-hmm. Tokenism is very real. And I am aware of and have become aware of since becoming an entrepreneur that there are black women who have um, not been supportive and intentionally feel like they need to compete with me in some kind of way or have, you know, spoken ill of me in, in, in certain rooms. And so, again, you can't just assume that because we all look alike that we're all supporting each other um, in your face and behind your back. So to be clear, some of the people who've been the most um, amazing advocates for me in my career have been white men. 
And that doesn't mean that Black people haven't been amazing, because I have had some Black people be amazing as well. But I just don't want people to get blocked into um, the space of only thinking that only Black folks can help you. And then you have your heart broken over and over again by understanding that there's performative, um, there's, there's performative advocacy in all areas. So white women have been performative. Um, black women have been performative, um, you know, and black women have been amazing supporters. White men have been amazing supporters. So reaching outside the industry is certainly important, but reaching outside of your comfort zone is also important as well. Um, so, and, and then also you need to know the language of other people. I mean, risk management insurance is traditionally pale and male. And being in community with white men gives you the benefit of the language because you're not going to always be speaking to someone that looks like you. You're not going to always be, you know, in rooms because they're, you know, not enough of us where you're going to be in a room full of black folks, you know. So learning that language expands your possibilities and it expands your ability to communicate and navigate in a um, evolutionary way. So um, I, I just want to offer that too. Yeah, and it's important. That's good. Yeah, that, that's good advice, Elle. Yeah, reaching outside and being able to, being adaptable, you know, and, and, and building your uh, communication uh, with people outside of what you like. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Because a lot of times, L, you, we are in those situations where we are the only one. So how are we going to conduct ourselves? How are we going to carry ourselves? And you get that by reaching out to someone that doesn't look like you and communicating one on one. That's your practice ground. So that's a good word. That's a great word. And, mm-hmm. and the truth is they will tell you if they are engaged with you um, in, a, in some type of in a relationship, a professional relationship, they will actually tell you the truth. I can't tell you to, to Elle's point how white men will tell you. Well, I never because, you know, black people historically will say, well, you know, I was offered this position, but I didn't take it or I'm scared to take it because I didn't think I was qualified. Mm-hmm. If you are tight with, with, with white people and white males in particular, they will tell you, I was never qualified for any position I took, but I took it and I figured it out. And that's what black people don't know. Yeah. You have to have, you have to have that, which is why I mentioned the CLM as a trade association in addition to NIA, because CLM is a national white trade association and you have to have access to people of all hues. Another point about comfort zone, outside your comfort zone is, is where the magic happens. Because I love being underestimated. I mean, Elle and I, we encourage each other. You know, we like high five, go black woman, go. Um, And it's because like she said, why do we compete with our sisters? We bring, I've tried to figure out ways to help Elle. Elle has tried to figure out ways to help me. You know, we kind and we don't talk every day, but we're always, you know, looking out for opportunities, you know, for each other. And, and, and it's because I don't compete with my sisters. Um, but, you know, back to the point, it ain't, it's, you know, we, we, we black women are like at the bottom of the total pole in people's minds. We're really at the top because we know how to navigate and how to survive when we have the right people around us. But which which I want to make sure I say this too: toxic relationships don't 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 continue in toxic relationships. And that can be at work. Sometimes you got to know when to leave. You're very young. So that's a whole thing that you would probably want to be guided through with, you know, um, you want to get some navigation tips from a mentor. But 
sometimes people stay in careers a long time and it just takes and takes and takes. It drains all the oxygen out the air every single day that they're involved in that organization. And so sometimes a mentor can help you identify transferable skill sets that you Mm -hmm. build that may be applicable somewhere else. And Ayanna, where are you in school? Um, I'm still a high school student. I'm currently going into my senior year. Um, What what state? Where are you? What city? Virginia. I'm located in Richmond. Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. I got ties to Richmond, Virginia. But um, it's just, it is important to keep, these are all good nuggets that that you all are getting. And I'm just, I'm like really pleased to be part of it, even though I was late. Thanks for the invite. No, this is great. This is great information. I think that we need to set spaces to where we can exchange. You know, we can support one another. We can say, hey, I'm over here if you need me. You know, um, that's one of the reasons why I created Corporate Coffee, because I wanted to present and have what I felt like I needed when I was in my career, because there were a lot of times in my career that I felt that push, I felt that opposition, and I thought I need to get out or I need to go to this place. And I would get to that next place and I would find that same spirit. I would find that same opposition. So it wasn't the place. And what I learned was, hey, I need to build a network. I need to build my confidence. I need to do things that may not feel comfortable, but I need to be strategic in my approach to this corporate thing. Because you got to understand, this is what I tell people, corporate was created without us in mind. And that's just what it is. Right. So when you're coming in to this environment, it's finding out ways to navigate, to be successful. You know, no man is an island. You're not going to be able to successfully do this on your own. But how do you build a relevant network that will give you the support that you need? You know, for me in my family situation, no one else in my family could relate to what I was talking about. You know, although you know, my mother went to high school, my dad did a little bit of community college, but I was, I guess, what they call a first generation, you know, the first one to be able to go through college and to have the type of position that I had. So within my family sector, I couldn't, you know, if, if I went to them and I said, oh, my God, you know, work is so stressful and I'm feeling so uncomfortable, you know, their response was, girl. Go on around them people, go on and make that good money and quit that. Compl- you know, I didn't. <laughs> it, it was this kind of dismissiveness of um, kind of, you know, really what I was going through. But that's why I'm saying, you know, for the younger people that are here, you know, for us that have been in it in a while, there's an exchange that's taking place and that's happening. So build that support. Um, pick those people. Um, Rebecca brought up you know, toxic, you know, know when to disconnect. There were places that I look at my career that I stayed too long, but I didn't know enough to know better because I was listening to that advice of, oh, just stay there and take it and make that good money, you know, and it really did, in my opinion, more harm than it did good. So I want to ask, you touched on this a little bit, um, Amber, about the networking aspect. So um, for uh, Alada, uh, are you? How long have you been in corporate, and are you? Do you feel like you're fully kind of utilizing your networking? Um, so I'm currently an undergraduate at Georgia State University, but I did 
Um, I have an unconventional route. I was in the military for eight years. Okay. And um, I transitioned um, from the military to um, school, obviously, to continue studying actuarial science because that's what I've always wanted to do. But um, just a little bit of the military, I guess, corporate lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really difficult, especially because I was in um, a job where there were only men and the ratio of female and being Black to the amount of men were very, very slim. It was really hard to navigate because like in the corporate world, it's a lot of um, properness. And in the military, people just say whatever comes to their mind. So it's not, um, I guess, politically correct, the speech. So it was really difficult to navigate. Um, But I really learned a lot in that space because I was in the very minority being black and being a woman and have to compete with all these men who are like really alpha men and they want to talk on top of you. And you're like, no, my ideas really count as well. So I had to speak their language. Um, like you guys are talking about, speak their language, learn how to communicate and let them understand that my voice matters as much as theirs. And my ideas could be more important or could solve the situation that everyone's fighting to solve. Um, and then now I've interned at Nationwide Financial and for eight months, the community is really good. Um, the culture is really good. Everyone was really open to um, communicating, talking about what they do, because in the corporate world, I've noticed like people love to talk about what they do. Um, So I was able to connect with a lot of people. Yes, it was in the virtual space as well, like Amber, Um, but I really enjoyed it while it lasted. Um, But everyone was really inviting So that was really my experience. I don't think I had anything negative in the virtual space working with Nationwide, but um, yeah, that's, that's my experience. Okay. Okay. All right. Let me, let me kind of pop it over to Mary. Mary, um, what advice would you give, um, let's say to anyone that is younger, that is coming up through the ranks of corporate, uh, what what would you tell them? Uh, read the 48 Laws of Power Cliff Notes. <laughs> um, I would say outside of that, um, just keep learning and keep connecting and keep networking. Um, because, you know, one of the things that I think a lot of people touched on today, and I always tell Black people, I mean, there's a lot of news just talking about the census and the growth in Hispanic community and the Asian community, but the Black community is always staying the same. So, um, fortunately, unfortunate enough, we can't reach the top without their help. And so, but that doesn't compromise your Blackness or who you are. Um, but, you know, you have to be able to kind of get outside of that and quote unquote, know how to play the game. It's all a game. <laughs> so, you know, the more people you get to know and engage with and just continue to learn the way you're not passed up. Uh, I mean, if you have your associate's degree, hey, 
especially if they have tuition reimbursement, go for bachelor's, you know, get those certificates. Um, I think I've been in the industry, I'm 34 and I've been in the industry 16 years and I never stopped learning. So I made sure I diversified my background, obtaining once I finish one certificate, I'm working on another one. That way, when those top tier positions come up, you have no reason to deny me. And I'm going to help you meet your diversity quota. Mary, can, can I can I drill down on this, guys? I, I want to talk about this for a little bit, and, and, and maybe this will help some of the young people. Can we talk about the rules of the game? And the reason why I bring that up, okay, because I was taught play the game, play the game. And the way that my personality is set up, I don't like that. I don't like when someone tells me I have to play a game because I'm like, I don't want to play a game. I need to be who I am. But can we drill down and maybe define what we're talking about when we talk about playing a game? Because to me, I, I, I was never comfortable with that term. Can I jump in? Because I'm going to have yeah. to jump off. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Mary is absolutely right. It, it is a game and the rules are constantly changing, especially if you are a black female. So you just have to know that. Getting a mentor is one way to play the game. There are ways to leverage information that you that you might not naturally get directly. So you've got to you've got to figure out how to, you know, and, and I understand, Tony, because you and I have similar personalities in that we it's just like what you see, you know, is what you get. Like yeah. there ain't nothing to me but what you see. And so I don't play games. I don't really engage with people who play games in my personal um space. But in corporate America, it's absolutely necessary to know that it is a game and that you at a level, you have to play it and know how, you know, how the rules work. So in order to st again, L gave you some really good advice. Make sure that you hook up with some white people, because uh, just like Andrew Young said about the civil rights movement, don't forget good white people. You know, we tend to, of course, our brain, you know, attracts us to things familiar, but, you know, Sometimes people that look like you are not looking out for you. And so it's important to um, to make sure that you have some. So let's talk just a second about we've talked about mentors, sponsors. Sponsors is a different thing from mentors. And some people, when they speak about it, they don't make the distinction. A sponsor is a person who will speak on your behalf without you being in the room. They know your work. You may not be close to them. You can't really ask somebody to be a sponsor. You can ask somebody to be a mentor. but the sponsorship, if you ask somebody to be a sponsor, you're asking them to lend their relationship capital to you. You're asking them to put their name behind you. A person has to decide that you're worthy of that. And so it's important to, to, to understand that difference. And then another thing we'll touch on, uh, maybe the, um, you, you tell us what we're talking about next, but allyship. And, you know, because now we got a, that's a big topic and I've published an article that says allyship is a verb. And the person who um, edited my Article say, well, ally is a noun in the dictionary. I said, I know, but when it's put into proper practice, it's a verb. Mm -hmm. It's action. So an ally is somebody who will be outside their comfort zone and, and, and they will speak and act on your behalf, whether you're in the room or not. Sometimes even when you're in the room, like when somebody takes credit for your idea, um, you know, and so we have to have all three. And, 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 and you'll see in the chat, I put, please register for our symposium. I think it's $25. It might, it might, I don't know if we missed the deadline now for early um, registration. It's only 25 or 35 bucks. Elle has been a speaker. She was a speaker last year for our day conference and it's the Naya Atlanta Symposium. 
um, you're going to hear a panel if you if you register and attend on allyship. And, you know, we got some white people on that. You know, we, we mixed it up really nicely so that you can hear different perspectives, mm-hmm. because sometimes a white person will say I'm your ally. And in my response, if I know whether they are or not, is I'm an ally. If you you're an ally, if I say you're an ally, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because it's the person who sits in a position that needs to borrow the privilege. Allies lend their privilege, whether it's comfortable or not. And I'm the person sitting in a position that could use you know, uh, somebody else's platform of privilege. And so if I decide you're an ally, you're an ally. But, it, you know, there's all this, you know, Black Lives Matter, it's a great time to be Black if you're awake. Mm-hmm. But we do need to stick together. And, uh, you know, us seasoned professionals do need to ride alongside um, our younger professionals and really across industries to yeah. make sure that you have what you need. I just wanted to make sure, Rebecca, that the younger people understand the definition of playing a game, meaning that you don't have to sacrifice who you are. You don't have to, you know, my mom used to say, you don't have to go along to get along. You know, she she used to say stuff like that, but it doesn't have to be this um, kind of finding a way to, to, to deceive or to get over. It doesn't have to be this kind of way that it was explained to me as you don't have to sacrifice your authenticity exactly but that's why you need a mentor that's why you gotta have somebody that's why you gotta have somebody help right it doesn't have to be a cutthroat it doesn't have to be ruthless it doesn't have to be devious it doesn't have to be deceitful so uh, i just want that distinction to be made known when we talk about playing a game this is not on that side this is saying this is what I call putting tools in your toolbox that you can pull out and utilize that are useful. So that's what we're talking about here. That's an important well, point to make because you're make you're playing the game that's already established. You don't control the you don't really control the rules. Mm-hmm. You just know you have to just know what they are and know how to go ahead. And, yeah, I think yeah, it's important. I think it's important if you're going to participate in corporate that you do understand that in any anything you participate in, there are rules and there are constructs and mm-hmm. there and there is a, a formula for you know success and what that looks like. You know, when you play board games, you don't say, Oh, I ain't playing no games. You play in the game, you read the rules, you sit down around and say, Okay, whose turn is it and how are we gonna do this and what we're gonna do? It is a cooperation amongst people with a common goal. And so if you make that distinction versus, you know, when your mama said, look, I don't play games with you, little girl, it's a different kind of energy. And we can't mm-hmm. take a soundbite in one season of our life and apply it over the blanket of our whole existence without reconciling and asking questions. So one thing that I teach my clients and one thing I learned very late in my career is the rule of pie. Um, Black women tend to over-index on performance because we're taught, we're socialized, we're raised, do a good job, do your work, Mm -hmm. keep your head down, make sure, you know, you are 10 times better to get half as far. And all of these Mm -hmm. things that we're conditioned and constructed. So we show up thinking if we do a great job, Mm -hmm. do 100% of our work, we'll get promoted, we'll get acknowledged, we'll be seen, and we'll do all those things. That was required of your mama. That was not required of the CEO at the organization that you work for. That was required of your mama. Your mama ain't the CEO and she is not judging you and she's not measuring you on to what success looks like. What success looks like really quickly, the rule of pie, P-I-E, performance, image, exposure. If it's a pie of 100% 
performance is only 10%. That's why we get into a situation where we're like, how does dumb white man become a CEO of organization? You don't even know what the hell he's doing. He ain't in a position to do nothing. That's what he got you for. You there to do the work. He's not there to do the work. So he don't have to know how to do the work. That's not required. And so while we're sitting in judgment of that situation, what we need to do is understand what's required, what's not required of the particular positions, including our own, so that we can understand what's available to us and what tools we need to use to get there. Mm -hmm. Image is 30%. Exposure is 60%. 60%. So image and exposure are 90% of your success. Performance is only 10%, but we show up with 100% performance. I ain't got to like you. You ain't got to like me. I'm just here to do my job. Don't bother me. Don't look at me. I ain't going to happy hour with you to hell with you. I'm just here to eight in the gate and to leave me alone and with all the attitude involved. And we're over-indexed on performance, 100% performance, and then we're mad because we don't get acknowledged. But if they don't like you, and if people don't know what you're doing, and you're not exposed, and you sit back doing all the work and allow other people to take credit for it, then you're not operating in a space where you can yield success because you're over-indexing on performance. And it doesn't mean that you become a slacker. You still perform well, but it's very important that how people see you and who knows you and knows about your work and understands the impetus of your work and the full throttle expectation of the impact of your work, that is where you show up in a space of success. Otherwise, you're enslaving yourself to performance and you're doing it to yourself because you're not lifting your head up to see what's required and what it takes for you to get to that next level. Preach. Um, Miss L, let me, <clears throat> you know, I was raised Pentecostal. <laughs> so <laughs> you spoke a word. You brought it like a whole message right there. And that young ladies are the rules of the game. <laughs> That's <Preach>. what... <laughs> That's what we're talking about. She said so beautifully. Yep. Oh, go ahead, Mary. No, I was going to say, and then too, you know, part of that, I think, is self-awareness and realizing that Black people as a whole, us as a whole, we're naturally, we naturally intimidate them. And I and I had to learn that because I was always the smartest, even in politics, the smartest one, you know, but it's like, hey, hold on, what happened? <laughs> you know, I worked hard, I did this. And so why was I bypassed? And I had to learn that. And, you know, even I'll tell people when I go to interviews, oh, I dye my hair black, but yeah, after three, six months, I go back to my blonde. But I, I'm constantly self-aware of the intimidation factor, sometimes by how you look, the way you shape, how intelligent you are. And so if they're intimidated, then you're a threat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. A nuance to that, though, also, Mary, is that them being intimidated doesn't mean that you're being intimidating. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm, I'm a fan of people owning their own shit. Now, if I'm showing up to intimidate you and you are intimidated, then I've had the impact that I intended to have. And we can rock and roll <laughs> because we're playing with intention. But if I show up as my full throttle being and you choose to be intimidated by that instead of celebrating it and seeing it for what it is as an opportunity for the organization's business objectives to get met, that's they shit. And I don't own that. I don't own that at all. We can have a full throttle conversation about it, but I'm not going to diminish who I am for you, but understanding what's important to the organization and the people that make decisions in the organization. So that's a nuance that needs to be made because we can't own the burden of 
the comfort of other people that don't look like us. We can't own the burden of their comfort or of their curiosity or of their, you know, whatever, you know, for them to feel um, significant. I don't own their significance, but I will have full throttle conversations with them and organize myself in a way that I'm playing the game and I'm doing all that I can do in order to avail myself to the opportunities. That doesn't mean that they're going to respond favorably. And if they don't respond favorably, then there are consequences to that. Either you're going to lose an amazing talent to your competition or you or I'm going to become your competition, but you're not going to diminish me. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. The, the, if you um, go back in the corporate coffee archives, there is the first podcast talks about that double consciousness and, you know, not sacrificing or diminishing yourself, you know, um, to, to quote unquote, play the game. So yeah, that's the word L. So Keandria, Keandria, I see that you're on. Do you have any uh, comments or questions? Anything you like to say? You're, you're on mute right now. Okay. There you go. Hey, ladies. Hello. So, okay, I'm living a little rough this morning. Tony told me to get on. Like, I was sitting here in tears, y'all, because me and Tony had this conversation last night. And it's like to grow up and go, okay, y'all got the excuse, you know, in the back. But to grow up and to be told, go to college, get a degree, carry the briefcase, get your name on your door, get the office with the window. And I got it. And the way I felt, y'all, in these 30 days, I cried the other day. And I'm like, God, I went through all that to get here. I'm going to cry again. I'm sorry. But to see somebody look like me and know how I feel. And to tell me, no, don't, don't go in. I've been going in that place, holding my head down, not to come off the certain kind of way. Oh, you're dressed up today. This is not dressed up. This is not dressed up. But to, to hear y'all talk about intimidation, and I thought it was me. But to see people that look like me, black women that look like me, that understand how I feel when I thought, I was crazy. And it's like, no, uh-uh. Tony told me last night, no, Keith, you go in there, you get what you got to get. If they're going to pay for school, they're going to pay for your license, you get what you got to get, you smile, and you say, oh, no, not today. We're not going to play these games. But it wasn't until I met Tony, and I believe in divine alignment. God has aligned me in Dallas. Me and her neighbors. But to get on here and to see this group, and y'all are everywhere. I just wanted to say that, and I'm going to go back on me because it's loud. But just the gems y'all done dropped today in me. I'm talking about deliverance in her. I've been over here like, look. She said, Pie. She said, you know, oh, it ain't just me, Lord. I thank y'all just for talking and taking time and pouring into me because I thought it was me. Like, I was packing my stuff the other day trying to really quit this job. Like, oh, no, I didn't come too far. To to hold my head down and not wear my eyelashes, not wear my weave because you know, it's, you know. So I thank y'all for it. So I just want to tell y'all that. All right, y'all. Bye. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that's you know what the main theme of today's 
topic was that, you know, it is supporting one another. How do we support one another in these times? And I'll tell you, um, and, you know, like I said, some of us that have been in it a while can speak to this. Um, I didn't find the support when I was fresh, you know, in, into the industry. And so I did have a lot of those days that Keandria talked about of crying, of, you know, being upset, of not really finding a community that could understand uh, what I was going through. So I hope that um, we're going to round the corner here and we're going to have closing comments, but I'll just say, you know, I hope that this has been helpful you know, I hope that for, you know, those of you all that are live, you know, that it has been helpful. I, I hope for those that are listening, you know, that, that this has been some helpful advice as well. I'm going to go around the horn for closing comments. So Ayana, is there anything you would like to say or any other questions you have? I just want to say um, like a big thank you. This is my first time on this call and it's just been so informational and informative and also just helpful as I, you know, get ready. I'm applying this fall to just different colleges um, and I actually just met with a lady yesterday that's going to, because I'm interested in actuarial science. So um, it's someone from the international back actuaries and she's helping me kind of with my application process and just look at all of this. But just having this today that also just helped me with, you know, kind of like soft skills and just like business etiquette and just like um, the skills that come just not with like just your job, but everything that comes with, you know, working in the corporate world, it was just super helpful. So I just want to say a big thank you. Awesome. Well, um, there are people who've left their contact information in the chat. Be sure to take those email addresses down. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. If you have any questions, feel free to ask those questions. Doesn't matter what you think they are. If you think that they're, you know, because sometimes people say, well, I wouldn't ask because it was a dumb question. Any questions that's not asked is a dumb question. Ask the question. You have the support around you to get, get your questions answered and to help you. So I want to let you know that. All right, Ms. Amber. Um, as a younger professional, um, I truly, truly appreciated um, this conversation and everyone being um, so willing to um, give out all of this information. Um, honestly, a few years ago, I did hear that, you know, this is a game that you have to know how to play the game. And then some people don't even know that there's a game being played. Um, and so I had been really kind of trying to delve into that and, and figure out really what does that mean? Um, and, and just hearing, you know, about the rule of pie and just all of these other things. Um, I'm immensely, immensely grateful for um, everyone just, you know, giving advice and, and just being so open and willing to it. It is very, very refreshing. Um, and I truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you. All right. All right, Miss Jackie. Yeah, I'm next. All right. So a few things. I'm in Dallas as well. So if there's a, if I Dallas, like connection, can you hear me? We can. Uh, let me know. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention is, uh, so 
for the actuaries or aspiring actuaries in the call today, I've seen a few of them mentioned. Um, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Jackie Mathenge, and I'll type it in the chat. But I also want to quote, you know, not uh, say this. You know, corporate culture, it is a competition. It's playing the game. But for me, in the actual world, which is a little bit cutthroat, it's more like medical, really. I wouldn't, I thinking about it like that caused me to have more pressure than I needed. And so I actually had to readjust my thinking about what means to grow in the profession, what is success constantly. And so as you started out in the actual field, do not feel weird or like, anything that's different from your colleagues because you're slow or because your the game is a little different to your uh, to your individual self it is going to be a different actuarial profession is good because it's individual success so you you kind of grow in the business um as you learn take it as slow as you need don't feel like you need to rush into things that you don't understand networking is great talking to people soft skills is great but we also measure it through professional again, exams, it's kind of like medicine. You go and do like your medical medical school and it's high pressure, really high pressure. And so do not feel like you have, you're failing if you're not successful uh, in the way people view playing the game uh, in corporate culture. Take it as slow, think about it as professional development. Today you're working on soft skills, tomorrow you're doing exams. The next day it's all building up to make you better, a better actuary. So this is more for the people who work in my field. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's kind of what I was just saying. And then being authentic. Like I, I, there's, there's been a lot of differences in the insurance actuarial space where, you know, long time ago I had to wear straight hair and that, that was what the cultural, corporate standard was to meet clients. Even, yeah, they needed you to have that, you know, corporate look. But now, you know, right now I'm half dressed and I go to meet clients this way. And so just be yourself. That's kind of what counts. Yep, that's all. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Alada, we'll go to you next. Oh, hi. Hi, everyone. Um, I This is also my first time and I'm really grateful that um, I did join this call. Right now I'm not looking too presentable. That's why I'm not on camera. Um, next time I will be. Um, but I really did enjoy the conversations, the advice, especially from all you experts, I guess, or more seasoned um, professionals. I really, really appreciate it. And um, I wanted to thank Jackie for your information about the actuarial world, because it is very true. Um, the, actuarial, the actuarial world is different from the conversations that we've been having because it's really all about performing individually because there's exams and it's really, really technical. And I've seen it through my internship. And yes, sometimes you don't know what they're talking about, but it's really okay to ask those questions. And like you said, Tony, those questions that you don't ask are the stupid ones because then you're left in the dark and then another meeting comes around and you still don't know what's going on. So it's very, very important to ask those questions and get them answered. And um, just my own personal piece, I really do think about success, not from what society expects, just what I expect of myself. Because if I really think about everything that's going on outside those external 
um, factors, I really lose myself. So I usually define success for, for myself. And then those external factors are secondary. Um, but I really do appreciate this conversation and meeting all of you. And I'm excited for the next one. Fantastic. Fantastic. Okay, Ms. L, can you close us out, please? I think I've said so much already. I just want to encourage people to, you know, reach out to me as a resource because I still do consulting and risk management, but I'm also a life and career coach and happy to work with anybody to help them understand um, how to evolve in a thoughtful way. Um, the one thing, you know, I say to risk management insurance professionals that I think gives you a, a visual and a continuity of thinking is, um, is this. Um, so, the hairdresser that is like the best hairdresser never has time to do her own hair, right? So she walk around looking crazy, but all her clients look absolutely amazing. And so what I would say to you is that you need to apply. You need to get high on your own supply. You know risk management and insurance. You need to apply the risk management discipline to your life, to your career, and how you work things out. Because there you have the tools, right? You have the tools to be able to do that. And so you can mitigate things, you know, and you can be more thoughtful and intentional about that. And you can manage your risk of sitting in a space of feeling unfulfilled um, in your careers and in your life in general. And so apply the tools that you have available to yourself, not just to a corporation that's giving you a check every two weeks, but take those tools and apply them to your life in a meaningful and thoughtful way so that you are, um, your own best customer of your own skills, your own best consumer of your own skills. Um, and that within itself um, will elevate you and give you the, the confidence or attach yourself to the confidence to um, have full throttle expressions and conversations in your career. Um, I do believe that confidence is a byproduct of competence and we don't lack competence, but sometimes we feel like our competence is for the benefit of others who are paying us because of, of how labor, of the utilitarian nature of our being in this country, that we are designed to work and benefit other people. So I encourage you to understand that you're also the work that you have, the competence that you have, the essence of who you are is um, not just for other people, not just for labor, but it's also for you. Um, and so I'll leave you on that note and I look forward to connecting with any of you all in the future by LinkedIn or otherwise. Fantastic. Um, Mary, again, I thank you for your continued uh, support, my lady. Thank you for your comments. Uh, Kendra, thank you, welcome. This has been an awesome conversation. Guys, we'll do this again next month. Um, look, tell, tell your friends, your family, anyone that you think would uh, profit or, or, or think, you know, get some benefit out of this or contribute. This is, this is a, a, you know, multifaceted, you know, exchange here, <laughs> you know, and, and, and in the end, the goal is to uplift everyone you know, for all of us to, to be better when we walk away. So I appreciate your time and I will see you all next month. Feel free to reach out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of Corporate Coffee. We will be back next month with a new episode. For more information about Corporate Coffee, please visit our website at www 
www.corporatecoffee.org. You can find other episodes of Corporate Coffee on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Radio Public, and Breaker. Again, thank you so much and see you next time.